and it it truly is i believe in the hands of young people if we choose to stand up and choose to show up instead of like this weirdly angry ambivalence where it's like oh i can be angry in the big picture and like the large and i can complain about the government and i can complain about so many things on like a very big scale it's like that i'm so sorry because I know I make a lot of people angry when I say this, and also this is the truest thing. I don't really care to listen about your complaints on the large scale of things if you don't know how to actively participate in your local government or in your local stuff, whatever the stuff is. If you don't know how to actively participate locally and have uncomfortable conversations and show up to uncomfortable situations, if you have the privilege to put yourself in that danger, whether that is physical, emotional, spiritual danger, if you have the privilege to do that and still walk out reasonably okay, you should be doing it. Podcast. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Jordan. I'm Amara. Today we have an extra special guest, Oakley Boycott. Woo! Yeah. We're so excited. Thank you for being on. <laughs> Dear Lander Podcast. Was yes. I supposed to say it? Oh no. Oh, no, no. oh okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Thank you for having me on Dear Lander Podcast, a purely Land Diego podcast. Yes. It's about to get real. Lander up in here. <laughs> nice and smoky voice. Real Lander up in this joint. Real, real sultry. <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you guys for having me on. Oh, I'm, I'm so good. excited for this episode. I yes. have clearly fangirled over this podcast for, well, now a season and a half, but... Uh, for a long time. I think so I I'm... speak for us both when we say we've fangirled over you. So mm, thank you. Yeah. So tell us all about your life. <sighs> what are you doing? How'd you end up here? Mm-hmm. <sighs> what was growing up in Lander like? All the things. Oh my gosh! Can you can we start off with one question and go from there? Hit me with yeah. your best shot with a really good question. A really good <laughs> Lander question. Mm-hmm. A really good Lander. Ooh. Oh. Hit me with a good Lander. Hit me with your best what Lander was, question. You were just talking about. Oh, what did you do to impress? crushes when you were young yeah, in Lander. Yeah, that's a good one. Ooh. Well, I know that you guys have talked a bit about um, Six Canyon Camp. Yes. And I was just talking about doing, because I did all the camps as mm-hmm. a kid in Lander, and one of the camps that I did was Camp Red Canyon. And I have a very vivid memory of trying to impress one of my crushes, whose name I'm not going to say publicly, for obvious reasons. <laughs> but I tried to impress one of my crushes when I was younger by eating a grasshopper. Yeah. Which, it didn't work uh, at all, but I still try. I did a lot of stuff to try to impress that kid that was not successful. Like, weird weird things that actually, in hindsight, are very impressive. But in that specific yeah. moment, I was just telling you, Amara and Jordan, about how they, it maybe would have been slightly more impressive had the grasshopper not been actively hopping down my esophagus oh, as it... Yeah. That is descriptive. Yo, dog. <laughs> I think that that is a great, great metaphor for just how I tend to live my life in general. Um, just you can think about that one. Oh. Mull that one over. Did um, I didn't really have a lot of great social skills growing up. 
and again that translates Did over any maybe of that us but really no no You're absolutely in good company, not at least I definitely did not. I remember so also, yeah, trying to impress a crush. The new city park play place had just gotten built. Mm-hmm. All of the elementary schools were there. I went to Lander Christian Academy. And so I like knew of all of these kids, but like knew none of them. And I had a crush at South Elementary and she was there. And I, there was, there's like the, uh, the trampoline-esque like bridge thing. And I, could front flip on the trampoline, and so I decided to give it a nice little try on that thing Mm-mm. over the wood and totally just, like, bam, onto my head. And there were, like, 15 South Elementary kids watching me <laughs> do that. They're like, ah! Oh. <laughs> but did you lose a tooth? No. Or any yeah. bones? Your face no. was intact. Yep. You're no, fine. was good. Fine. You're yep. fine. Yo, that is the dish. <laughs> LVHS dish. Um... So how did you two meet? That's a good question. I had met Oakley a couple times through like Wolf Johnson and then May had ch- chatted um, about Oakley, but I don't really know how we like, I can't really remember how we became friends, I suppose. We just sort of came together, Amara. That's how it happens in Lander, really. It, it does how it, I mean, yeah. yeah. And then you're just like, oh, friends are great, aren't they? It's yes, just like but- the concept of friendship. <laughs> Not to get sentimental, but like the concept of friendship is so nice that you're just like this human. Yeah. I really enjoy this human. I think that my time is worth investing in them. So I will be close to them. Mm. Whatever that means. And like, that's just cute. It also reminds me of that meme where they're like, friendship is weird. Because you pretty much just walk up to somebody and say, I pick you. Yeah. And that's so nice. It is so nice. We love that. We love that. So I pick you. I pick both of you. Thanks for... Wait, do you pick me? I hope you pick well, me. Well, obviously. <laughs> How did you guys get to know each other? Well, we actually have a very intricate uh, past because my best friend growing up, her sister was Oakley's best friend growing up. So Bob Husa is really our major connection, but we didn't really know each other until you and Cameron started doing theater together. Yeah, when we did uh, Man of La Mancha over at CWC. Mm-hmm. And then you did The Scottish, the Scottish Play. play. Mm. Which is ironically how Amara met her husband. Yeah, and she yeah. was she was like that cute witch. I think I'll take that <laughs> he one. He did come on as the witch first, and I like couldn't. I mean, you guys were so good though. I mean, that witch scene was so fun. And I was like, ooh, I'm into this. And then Joe came out in his blue wool hey. tunic, and that was the moment. Wow, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was that's like. Right. <laughs> so I know, I have heard this story before. I don't know if you yeah. dished this on the podcast. I feel. I feel like I dished it at one point, but I can't remember. But anyway, so Joe came out on stage, and I was like, uh, that's a babe. And then after the show, um, and he's also a really good actor, so that was helpful. Joe's um, a stupidly good actor. Oh, he's, yeah. It makes me angry. Continue. Very good at it. <laughs> um, and so my brother walked off stage, and he was like, what did you guys think? And I was like, that was great. Who's the redhead, though? And he's like, I knew you were going to do that. Mm. And there's actually um, a line in one of Joe's songs where he talks about looking into sparkly eyes, and they were mine, because he was like, I will never forget you coming up to me because your eyes were so sparkly, and I didn't know what to do with it. I was just like, (laughs) So, feeling was mutual. That makes my heart sparkle. We'll keep him around. He's kind of funny. Last night, so he tucks me in every night. Yeah. That's the thing. And uh, I'm sorry. For all of the male listeners, that's the bare minimum. Bare minimum. Yeah. Tuck them in. 
Take note, Jordan. I mean, actually, <laughs> I know also, that you're great. <laughs> you know, most of the time, he really just says something super fucked up to me that makes me laugh a lot, and then he'll just be like, okay, good night! And that's it. That's how we... That's how I end my evening. Usually it's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> you snagged a good one. I really did. Yeah. I really did. You really yeah. did. No complaints. <laughs> no complaints. Not from me. <laughs> Be weird. So tell us what it was like growing up in Lander. Um, for you. For me, well, my childhood was strange um, in the best of ways. because So both of my parents are were and are still musicians um they're divorced now but when they were together they performed all around lander as well as fremont county wyoming and america as the performing arts duo the grizzlies so they played fiddle banjo my dad plays fiddle banjo mandolin guitar does yodeling cowboy poetry um my mom sings does uh, is a songwriter and plays guitar as well and so together they wrote and performed together i think they did like five or six shows on the history of the Western United States, like the, the Wild West, our Western United States. Mm. <laughs> um, and like Wyoming history, um, Western history. They had a, a Oregon Trail show as well. I'm sure that a lot of, I know that there's a lot of peeps our age that remember them coming into schools and doing shows. And um, so they did that all over the country as well, not just in Wyoming. So my childhood spent in Lander was a lot of off and on on the road with them. So we would do two weeks on the road and then two weeks back here. Um, So that was my childhood from a very early age up through, I think, fourth grade. And because of that lifestyle, they chose to put me in elementary school out in Hudson. So I actually went to school out in Hudson. Mm. And I think there there were three kids in our kindergarten class. I was the only girl at the time. Um, And then more kids from Lander started to go out there. And I think that peak Hudson Elementary School population in the in the 90s was something like 70 kids, maybe, but on average, it was around like 50. So that was a really, really special, like, I know this is a Lander podcast, but I'm going to talk about Hudson really quick. Um, (laughs) I'm going to because it was amazing. It was, I wouldn't trade growing up in that lifestyle and specifically in that kind of environment with anything. Like we got to do things that you can't do nowadays in in schools and just like the um, flexibility of the education was so beautiful and so wonderful. And actually I saw one of my kindergarten classmates, Derek Parker at the Lander Live concert, was that last week? Mm -hmm. Um, And he, he came up to me and we haven't seen each other probably in 15 years or something, which was like, you gotta love yeah. Lander and you gotta love community events for that. Like that was yeah. so special. And, and he came up to me and I didn't even recognize him. He was like, do you even know who I am? I was like, I think I do, but I'm also not sure. I'm so sorry. And he was like, it's Derek. And I said, oh my God. And I almost started like crying because just that was a very special point in our childhood together and growing yeah. up together. And he said, I'm going to paraphrase this probably horribly, what he and I were talking about, but he was saying like, you know, those were some of the most important and poignant moments of my life, being able to grow up in that type of young schooling environment. He was like, we were so lucky. And I was like, yeah, man, because they taught us how to be humans first, instead of just drilling the education system into little people, into little tiny humans, you know? Um, So it was an incredible 
way to to start life and growing up and becoming a, becoming a human in the world as far as education in yeah. the system goes. So, point being, I spent a lot of time uh, on the road with my parents and at Hudson Elementary. So when um, we when I wasn't in school, school I would get all my assignments and take them on the road, and we would tour around to schools and community centers and libraries and do community concerts and all that jazz. And I would do my my schoolwork in the car, learn learn on the road. So it was like kind of homeschooling, but not really. And it was also kind of cool because every, for the most part, at least at the time, like most every school was kind of teaching the same thing. So if my parents knew that they were going to be in some city for an extended period of time playing music, they would call ahead and be like, hey, we have a six-year-old, could she drop in on one of your first grade classes for a couple days? Mm. And so we would do that sometimes. And I essentially just ended up going to school in a lot of different little... I doubt you could do that now. I feel like that that would not be a, a kosher thing to have happen in the world. Yeah. But um, That's so cool. Yeah, that cool. it was really cool. I don't get to talk about this often. No one ever usually listens for this long, but... Uh, yeah, and we're here. For yeah, it. I know yeah, that. That is so cool. cool. It was very cool. Um, do you feel like you have wandering feet because of that? Like, do you do you like to travel and move around and like not be in the same place for I, a long period of time? I do, but not on purpose. Yeah. I and this is something that I've noticed just and processed heavily in therapy um, over the last six years or so that I do love to travel. I feel like one of my safe spaces, honestly, is driving in a car mm. for long, very long periods of time. I wish that it wasn't. I wish that I could be a stationary person and just be in one place and be grounded with that, which I can be, but that's not what my system is comfortable with right now, which also means that I do move around a lot. So I spent the last 15 years in living in New York City. I mean, this is not an uncommon thing for most New Yorkers to say, but I probably lived over 40 different places yeah. um, and just like, you know, you're always touring. I mean, I, I'm an actor and um, a performer, et cetera. So I was always like touring in shows and traveling around and doing this and that and the other and never in one place for very long. And it, it has become very, very hard. But I do think that growing up with that sort of lifestyle is a very large contributing factor to not being able to just be and be. And it's also um, forced me to restructure what my concept of home is mm. and home as sort of a mobile place instead of a physical structure or if the physical structure is anything. It's I, I like to say like home is where your heart is resonant and that resonancy is allowed to change. So it, it, yeah, so it doesn't always have to just be whatever the physical structure is, it's, it's where your heart is resonating um, and where you feel the safest, whether that's a person, place, thing. Whatever noun you choose. Yeah. <laughs> that's, whatever noun. That's whatever good. noun. <laughs> um, so talk to us about doing theater, like learning to perform in Lander. What was that like? Yeah. <gasps> well, I'm just going to give a huge shout out. Just so I'm going to give a bunch of shout outs really quick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a huge shout out to Missoula Children's Theater. Because that was probably, that was my first real foray into, other than performing with my parents and singing with my parents, of which I did, that was the first opportunity that I really had to invest in theater. Mm. And my mom loves to tell the story, and this is 
I was around five or six and she asked me, what do you want for Christmas? And I kid you not. And I remember saying this, which is very funny because I didn't even know what I was saying, but I said, what I want for Christmas is anything by William Shakespeare. I didn't know who William Shakespeare was. I don't know where I heard that. So careful the things you say. Children will listen. Thank goodness I was listening to... Into the woods. Thank goodness I was listening to something good. Um, and asked for anything by William Shakespeare, of which she got me. She got me... Um, I think she got me one of those... The huge volume... Yeah, like, like the huge the collection works. of the complete works. And I then... And they're... What? For a six-year-old? And it was great, and I love it. I have it still, and it's uh, this beautiful illustrated edition. Anyway, um, and then she continued to give me the Folgers Library editions of each of his plays for years after that. So that, and I think, honestly, it was because I saw an episode of Babar, the cartoon, Babar the Elephant, um, Mm -hmm. where they did a version of the Scottish play, and I thought that that was really cool. Um, I didn't know who William Shakespeare was. Anyway, um, so... (laughs) Also, I feel like we should just quickly clarify that for people who don't know, the Scottish play is Macbeth, but we have superstitions around it and saying the name, so we usually refer to it as the Scottish play. Yeah, so you should never say the name of the Scottish play in a theater. In a theater, ever. In any sort of theater? In any sort of theater. Unless you're performing it. Yeah. If you're performing it and you're saying the name like in, in the, the play, lines, mm-hmm. that's fine. But when you say it outside of the performance aspect, no, no, weird things happen. Yeah. So this uh, episode could totally tank. Because <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're not in a theater. Yeah. No. That was we're me fine. knocking on wood. Dang, and is that? And we're performing right now, so I'm just gonna. Yeah, work. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just trying to wrap. Oh. Trying my mind around. That's that's sweet. Jordan's um, mind is literally blown. So is that kind of like? Like thumbs at Sinks Canyon Canyon. Yeah. We're yes. going to do like thumbs that. or else bad things will happen. Yeah. Yes. Just like that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But I just thought we should clarify because I realized we just kept saying it and I was like, oh, people have no idea what that is. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, Scottish play references yeah. in this episode, which is great. Yeah. No complaints. No complaints. So anyway, after <laughs> six-year-old Oakley was really into the Scottish play, um, I did end up doing a lot of things with MCT growing up whenever they would tour here. And that... I just am so grateful for um, PALS, which has now evolved into ArtLink, um, was the organization in our community, is the organization within our community who started bringing MCT to Lander, which is, I mean, has provided such a platform for so many kids who otherwise don't really have the... the mm-hmm. um, Full theater production yeah, experience. Yeah. Really. And it's, I mean, MCT is amazing. They, they, yeah. put on, they put on a show with a bunch of kids, like a full-fledged production. week. Like four days, really. There actually. are professional adults that can't do that. So, yeah. I mean, that's it's amazing. I will always yeah. be in full support of everything they do. And then I also went to um, MCT's summer camps that they do up in on Flathead Lake for, I oh God, like eight years, I think, maybe, mm. which was awesome. Um, and then, of course, as we have previously mentioned, I also did... Uh, I performed a lot with the Wyoming Shakespeare Festival Company. Um, Huge shout out and much gratitude to Diane Springford for all she has done for the theater peeps in this community um, has done, is doing currently, actually, I think in this moment right now, uh, camp is happening with her um, and continues to do. Yay for that also. That's where Mm -hmm. 
you met Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and you. I mean, and like, me, yeah. Wyoming Shakespeare Festival <laughs> Company doing a lot for the social lives of otherwise socially not very competent human beings. I'll just speak for myself. That's just me. Um, anyway, so. <laughs> Did you, was there a theater program at Lander High School? Um, at the time, because Joe always talks about like he did Cripple Manishman and I remember seeing him in that. Yeah, as a very young person. Yeah, which is weird. Well, I mean, we are ten yeah, years apart. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> you gold go digger. Best I you. ever did for myself. <laughs> um, but I mean, was there a theater program at the time? I wouldn't necessarily call it like a program program, but again, like mad shout out to all of the parents who saw something that their kids wanted to do and helped work again with Diane Springford mm-hmm. to help make stuff happen. So like doing, we did a lot of Moliere and like a lot oh, of, um, we did a lot of classical I mean, theater. Things you didn't have to pay the rights for. Exactly. But I mean, we also did, to learn we, also, sure. we also did West Side Story. Oh, um, I, I don't often tell people that because I played Anita and I, as, as, as maybe one of the, most fluorescent members of the mayonnaise brigade that was <laughs> terribly inappropriate yeah um so i don't talk about that often but we did it and we are here today mm. to own the stuff that we've done yes. that maybe was not the most appropriate thing um and that brings me to my next question i'm sorry i feel like i'm asking so many no, questions you go ahead but um i'm curious so you did a bunch of theater here and then you moved to new york like what was the experience like of you moving there and then learning all of these things like that, where you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, that was inappropriate of me to be Anita as a white person. Like, what what was your growth like, and how has that affected how you show up in Lander? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I think that that process hasn't ended that which is good yeah you know, it's a it's a lifelong learning yeah thing. it's a, a lifelong commitment to owning the stuff that maybe you've done in the past isn't the most appropriate thing owning it being there with it and doing the best that you can to be better and choose to be better and choose to show up um in different ways that you maybe wouldn't have before so um i think that like once i learned that as a person who has committed to that way of living and being alive, that no matter what, I think actually probably one of the most important things, This is, I promise this will come back around. One of the most important things that I've ever learned as a human being, and specifically as a white person moving in this world, is that no matter what, I am going to show up and be racist at some point, and I have at some point, and I'm going to mess up really, really bad. And once I showed up to own the fact that, yeah, as a white person, I'm just inherently racist, and that doesn't mean that I get a free pass to do anything other than to show up and be better. That was like, I don't want to say it was like a different kind of freedom, not a freedom to be a horrible person, but it's like, yeah, I don't need to be addicted. We talk about this a lot, Amara. I know that um, the addiction to being a good person and being addicted to the good person persona and being, in my case, addicted to the good white person persona will only hurt people. It will only hurt people. I would rather be seen a million times over as an honest person before I am seen as a good person because there is no possible way that any person can be good 100% of the time. And if you are fighting so, so hard to play into that image, you are gonna hurt people and you're gonna fail 
you're gonna fail your image. And that's gonna really, really suck for you. <laughs> and for the and for the people that end up being affected by that. Instead of just showing up and being like, oh yeah, like I'm probably gonna mess up at some point. And I can own it and I can be okay and I can choose to show up and be better. So I think that to try to spin back around and answer your question, sort of, that's, I mean, I would say that's definitely not something I learned right off the bat at all by leaving Lander. But that's been an ongoing process that that's currently where I am. So um, I think that breaking, breaking the addiction to the good person persona has been a huge ongoing process in showing up to be better in my work as a human being and in my community, wherever that community happens to be, whether that's in Lander, whether that's in New York, whether that's in Paris, wherever that's wherever I am, that's just an ongoing thing. I can't say that there's necessarily any one person, place, or thing, anyone noun that was like, oh, yes, this is why I decided to do this, and this is how this has affected this, because it's a buildup of so many different experiences and a lot of feedback and a lot of learning and listening, mm. first and foremost. I mean, I will definitely say that, for sure, May Rats has been a huge part of that for me. and, and for all of us, honestly. Yeah. For sure. And shout out May. Shout out May for the lives that you've saved. I know I say that a lot, and it's true. Um, so yeah, I don't think that it's any one thing, but I think that I do often say that um, the reason that I find the need to go, and I think why anybody here finds the need to go back and forth between here and there and anywhere is for the perspective of human experience, and that um, wherever we go feeds wherever we're not in that experience. So I know that I'm not a healthy and balanced person if I don't have the perspective of going back to my communities in New York City. And I know that my communities in New York City are not served the best that they can be served if I don't bring the perspective, the entire perspective, not just my echo chamber perspective of what it's like to live in Lander and to have grown up in Lander. Um, because that's, that's the easy thing to exist in your echo chamber. It's the hard thing to, to choose to actively choose to get out of it. So I don't really think that answers your question totally. I think it answers it pretty well though. Okay. Yeah, and you I know. think that's a, yeah, that's got me thinking about a lot of different stuff. Can you like elaborate on that, on that last part a little bit? I wanna know more about that. Like going to New York and um, having your people in New York, like how do they challenge you kind of stepping away from, maybe from that echo chamber about being in Lander or any of that? Um, I hope that I can answer this well. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think that, well, first and foremost, I will say, because I say this often and it cannot be repeated enough, I don't think, that oftentimes people ask me, well, how do you, and this is people when I'm here or when I'm back in New York, all the peoples, all people constantly say, well, how could you, I could never live there. Whether it's people from here saying that about New York yeah. or whether it's being in New York and having New Yorkers say, oh, you're from Wyoming, I could never do that. I could never live there. Mm -hmm. How do you do it? And I always say, on both sides of this spectrum, it's the same rules, different wilderness. Same rules, different wilderness. Basically, show up and don't be stupid. Um, Literally, no. <laughs> but, it, but it's so true. It is. It's like, and I, I sort of came to that conclusion when I was working in Times Square. It's like, we all have this moment we, in Times Square. We all have this moment. <laughs> this is a very, it. it's a very real thing, and it's so 
It's so true. And I, I worked um, as I, I sandwich boarded and flyered in Times Square for a very long time um, and made great money too. Side note, I made more money than I'm making now. Um, but <laughs> I had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like being in Times Square is exactly, it's exactly like being in Yellowstone. It's the same exact thing. And you know, like when you're driving through Yellowstone and yes, and the people get really excited and they just stop in the middle of the road, even though there's a gajillion cars behind you to see the deer. And you're like, I don't want to keep going. You could have pulled over. You could have, you don't understand the proper park etiquette. Please do not get out and pet the bison. Um, and, stop here. and they yeah. do. And I think it's the same thing it's the same exact thing living in New York, and this is just a metaphor for this, these experiences. It's the same thing walking in New York, walking through Times Square. It's like you can't just stop in the middle of the street because you see something sparkly, because it's all sparkly. So you can't yeah. just stop or, or like, I don't know, pet the giant Elmo. Like you're probably gonna, something bad's gonna happen. Mm. You're gonna get an illness that you don't want from that fur. Like I don't know what, <laughs> yeah. that thing hasn't been so dry cleaned in a while. Like that's, yeah. um, no shade, but it's true. <laughs> so I say, same rules, different wilderness. Show up and don't be dumb. So to better answer your question of how being in New York and being in that environment and with those people challenge me, I think a really, maybe a helpful example, I don't know if this will be helpful, but I think that possibly a helpful example will be, so in 2019, I did an endurance art piece that was based off of Marina Abramovic's uh, the artist is present. And the piece that I did was called Silence, which I've also done back here in Sinks Canyon. I did here, that here in 2020. The format was over the course of three days, I sat in a gallery window front for 12 hours across from an empty chair. And anybody and, anybody, anybody and everybody was welcome to come and sit across from that empty chair with me for as long as they wanted with no talking, no movement, no anything, just sitting there and being present with each other, which yeah. is what Marina Abramovic did for uh, three months as opposed to three days, but she did that for three months in the Museum of Modern Art. This was something I did because I just wanted to see what that experience was like. And so I did that as part of a artist residency that was featuring a lot of artists from Wyoming. Um, the residency was called Destiny Manifests. Within that residency, one of the things that I observed that there was not a lot of indigenous representation. And I sort of came on board the last like three days of this residency to do this piece. And I was like, crap, there's like not, there's not really anything I personally can necessarily do over the course of three days. But that also, I mean, there should have, there should have been more indigenous representation because that's not, sorry, that's just not that hard. <laughs> Wyoming has so many talented artists that shouldn't have been, um, the case. And so one of the things I chose to do was I reached out to Lynette Grable with Not Our Native Daughters and I was like, hey, would it be okay if during the course of this endurance art piece, if I attached, not attached, but put Not Our Native Daughters as part of um, a way for people to take action and raise awareness and not necessarily as a fundraiser, but as an action item for people to take who came to this experience to put money and awareness, um, raise awareness towards the MMIW, MMIP movement. And she said, yes. And I said, great. So I did a little, I pulled some info information from the Not Our Native Daughters website and did a little write up and was like, hey, Venmo, PayPal, put your money here if you come to sit. 
Um, here's also a little bit about this movement, which thank goodness is growing more and more awareness around the around the world, honestly, at this point. So doing that was a really important thing to just have that kind of representation in the space. That's maybe not necessarily what it should have been. And that's what I chose to do. So within that, I can safely say that the majority of people who came to sit over the course of those three days, whether I knew them or not, were completely unaware that that reservations are something that exists in our country. A lot of people were completely unaware that indigenous people are still alive. That's a crazy one to me. Yeah. Still alive and very much present and active and functioning. That was a huge thing, let alone the MMIW movement. So I think that I use that as an example to say that we have a really big country on our hands and that we all kind of live in whatever chosen echo chamber that we have or whatever chosen environment that we have. And we have the option to choose to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And from that experience, I mean, the conversations that you have with people are only part of the conversations that are ever had about any one thing. Um, so I'm, the people that I talked with about that, they were like, I had no idea that Wyoming this or that or that indigenous people this or that. And I was like, yeah, you should go and not maybe talk to me about this, but like, I'm glad that this is the place where you're starting. Learn whose land you're on. First and foremost, um, New York is Lenape land. We are on Eastern Shoshone, Northern Arapaho, traditionally Crow as well, among many others over the course of history. That was just a huge thing for me, that it's a challenge to be faced with in any capacity, but it's a challenge to be faced with, this is very generally speaking, people who don't realize that other people exist mm -hmm. because we're so into our own shit. We are so into our own experience um, because it does take effort to get out of that. And on that note, I'm going to segue really quickly into partly that's why I'm currently running for Lander City Council, mm -hmm. which is something that I am doing right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Lander City Council for Ward 1, um, which is a very, I mean, we live in a, I was going to say diverse, but I think that the better word is um, polarized community. It is diverse as well for where we are. And Ward 1 is a very strong mix of a lot of different types of community members. Mm. One of the things that I fight for as I move through the world is to not play into identity politics because I think that that is what's, I mean, whoever can come at me if they want, but I think that that's what's killing our country. That's what's killing our community and our country as community. That's what's killing our relationships with people that... We love and we don't love. You can't love everybody. And it takes all types of people to make up the world and the community. What appeals to me about city council is that this, many people don't know this, and now I hope more people do, but city council seats are nonpartisan seats. It's you are elected officials to serve in a job that represents all of the people. Not one side or the other, because there are garbage people doing garbage things on all sides of the political spectrum, all up and down. And that only hurts us all if we're playing into that. So um, for city council, I am just so strongly passionate about showing up 
to listen to learn as opposed to listening to respond and taking inspired action from community as a whole so that when people like you, Jordan, when you come back home, when we come back home, because this is our home also, that we have a place to come back to that we recognize that still feels like home that we can live safely, healthfully, and helpfully in. Because that shift, I feel um, that we're very much on the brink of a shift that is very, to me, very, very scary. And um, we as members, as citizens of the Lander community, have a huge opportunity that we have to take now in order to build foundation to protect what we have, while still acknowledging that change is going to happen whether we like it or not. Change will always happen. And so I think that the preservation of heritage is sure, yes, very important, but it's even more important to build the foundation for the people that are already here so that we all have a safe place to exist and live and call home as what's to come and what is already here and what is already happening is happening. Um, because it's a very, I mean, if you look, this is not just a lander specific thing. This is all across the mountain West, as we all know. Um, I mean, you look at places like Jackson, you look at places like Bozeman. And I had a friend in town from Bozeman a couple nights ago. And, and she, I said, you know, how's Bozeman going? What's, what's going on up there? And she's like, I don't recognize our town anymore. And like that, it broke my heart. And she's my mom's age. Um, and I was like, yeah, I, I'm so sorry. That's like a different type of grief that I hope never reaches here. And I think that we have to act now if we want for that, I guess, not be the case. Um, yeah. And it, it truly is, I believe, in the hands of young people if we choose to stand up and choose to show up instead of like this weirdly angry ambivalence where it's like, oh, I can be angry in the big picture and like the large and I can complain about the government and I can complain about so many things on like a very big scale. It's like that, I'm so sorry. Cause I know I make a lot of people angry when I say this. And also this is the truest thing. I don't really care to listen about your complaints on the large scale of things. If you don't know how to actively participate in your local government or in your local stuff, whatever the stuff is. If you don't know how to actively participate locally and have uncomfortable conversations and show up to uncomfortable situations, if you have the privilege to put yourself in that danger, whether that is physical, emotional, spiritual danger, if you have the privilege to do that and still walk out reasonably okay, you should be doing it because it doesn't serve anyone to do otherwise. So my name is Oakley Corsic Boycott. I am running for Lander City Council Ward 1. The primaries are August 16th and general elections ah, are November 2nd. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yes. Woo. That's some good shit right there. Yeah, you were dropping jams. <laughs> I popped out. a nail off. <laughs> Did you for real? <laughs> Wait for it. I lost a gem somewhere in, in Amara's house. Perfect. Mm. It won't end up in my pie, I'm sure. I, was, I thought you were going to say in Scout's pile. I don't I know mean, what that I, means, but... <laughs> anyway. Um, ooh. One um, last question. Yes. What is your favorite lander smell? My favorite lander smell... I was going to say sagebrush after the rain, especially since we just had a great thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. But honestly, and this is going to also be a huge shout-out to my homeboy, Max Del Real. 
Mm-hmm. My favorite Lander smell is the Russian olives in the spring. Oh, such Ooh. a good smell. Yeah. I don't really talk to many other people of, of with whom that's their favorite Lander smell, but except for Max. And we, we like talk about it. Well, we have talked about it like a lot. Dang. <laughs> like, a, like an unreasonable amount. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Mine is, because um, I, I mean, I think everybody from Wyoming is probably like, mmm, sagebrush after the rain, because it's such a It's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. But mine is, I like the smell of the sinks. I was That was going to be my third one. Yeah, it smells yeah. like the ocean. It me, does. But mm-hmm. in a very Wyoming way. It does. You know, when oh, I did so um, when I did silence there, because uh, in 2020. Were you just like. Well, I, <laughs> yes. Well, that was amazing because I was sitting in the depths of the sinks, which is now underwater currently because of the runoff, which is crazy. It was yeah. this time exactly two years ago, the first, second, and third of July that I did that. So two years ago to the day that I was the spot that's now underwater sitting for 12 hours with no breaks at all, which was a lot. But uh, to smell the smell, first of all. And then second of all, um, it was like being, the more that I like looked around and just sat for the very lengthy period of time and looked at all of the stuff, it was like being inside of an oyster shell. Interesting. So if you go down there and sit for long enough, I was like, oh, I just feel like a very tiny little girl inside of an oyster shell. That's so cool. Yeah. It is cool. Yeah. That's it's really beautiful. I also saw a lot of cool stuff other than that, but we'll save that yeah. for another episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Volume two. Yeah. What's your favorite Lander smell, Jordan? I like the Gannet Grill patio. <gasps> and like yeah. when you get a whiff it's of the so kitchen. Good. Yeah. That, the onion smell in there. I worked the at the Gannet Grill for a, a while in did high school. Really? I did. I, I, I was so bad at everything that I just banished my own self to wash dishes. And I would sing Broadway show tunes um, to myself quietly, and then sometimes loudly, wash the dish mm. is the dishes. I feel like that would be the best way to do it. It was the only way to do it. Thank you both so much. Yeah, thanks for being here with us. Also, I use my uh, koozie every day. Are you using it? Oh, uh, I use uh, when I. I'm not joking. I use my koozie every day. Yo, the video that you posted is gorgeous. It, it was amazing. This is Jordan. This is Amara. Steer Lander. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Peace out.